0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup.
1: And my name is Shelby, also known as She Cup.
0: Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more. We will seek to uncover it all. So join us and maybe even take a leap of faith.
1: Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby, or you can call me SheCup and i'm here with my co-host austin and i will let him introduce himself
0: so i am austin also known as teacup and i am your other host for this podcast welcome
1: yeah welcome we're so excited to be doing this podcast if this is the first time you're joining us welcome and if it's not the first time you're joining us welcome back so we've been talking about um we've been talking about some historical events, right, Austin?
0: Yeah, so the series is called Assassins versus Templars and it's different conflicts that have circled around the Assassins and Templars and ones that I think are significant to where we are in the present timeline with the assassin Templar conflict.
1: Yeah. So we've talked about some major stuff like the Spanish inquisition and different wars and, and a lot of like violent conflicts between different countries, but we're doing something different today, right?
0: Yeah. Something rather different, kind of like, so in the previous, we'd been talking about different kind of like expansions or wars, like the Mongol Empire, the Hundred Years' War, other conflicts such as those, the like the slave rebellions, and even the Spanish Inquisition, which isn't really kind of like a conflict between other nat- nations. It's something internal. And that's kind of where we're at with this. But today is something that is something that is small in scale but large in implications and so that is the Salem witch trials
1: a really important moment in history
0: yes so for just an overview for those of you who don't know the Salem witch trials were a series of different trials and hearings that happened in Massachusetts around the turn the like the later years of the 17th century that's 1600s so before the colonies were the united states of america before the revolutionary war even before the french and indian war and so these hearings are where these people were accused of witchcraft and these trials resulted in the execution of 20 people now if you grew up in the states in the united states you might have read a little play called the crucible shelby did you read the crucible
1: um i was supposed. Were you
0: to- were you supposed to read the crucible
1: <laughs> i was supposed to i think that i fell asleep or was working instead uh,
0: i always say that there's a difference between what you actually read and what you were assigned to read at least that was my school experience but yeah so the crucible is obviously about the salem witch trials which obviously take place in salem massachusetts And so kind of what starts this is that in February of 1692, a young girl named Dorothy Osborne inexplicably became sick in Salem with an illness no one could explain, having extremely disturbing symptoms. This situation attracted the attention of the Templars, specifically Samuel Paris, who believed that the... illness may be the result of an exposure to an unidentified piece of Eden so just kind of like a background to understand like why this would be such a big deal so right now Massachusetts is a colony that's mainly controlled by a group that's called the Puritans which are uh, Protestant Christians mainly dissenters from the Church of England who don't think that the Church of England is strict enough is a good way to put it. And so they have a very strict kind of moral code and code of ethics and behaviors. But one thing that's important about the theology is they have a kind of cause and effect theology. They believe that like bad things and when tragedies happens, it's a cause and effect thing. You did X, Y, bad, X bad things. So this Y effect happens to you.
1: Right. And so, like, if you hear today people on talk radio and television saying, like, oh, this hurricane was because of this group of people, that is left over from the Puritans. So, like, this stuff totally, absolutely still affects us today in 2022.
0: Right. And so, when this illness happens that no one can explain the logical conclusion that this group of people with their thinking come to is like oh something malicious must be coming through there must be some work of the devil or witchcraft which they might come to that and so paris when he gets it kind of wind of this templars love to manipulate superstition it's one of their big mo's that They do. They manipulate superstition and kind of these beliefs of the people that they're trying to control to control them. And so he pushes his daughter and niece to fake having the same seizures, which started a mass hysteria in town as other women also became ill. And so... Kind of like if we want to talk about realistically, probably this young girl who had this illness probably had something that was just like Caesars just happened, whether it's something like epilepsy or another kind of just other thing that they couldn't just explain away by saying, oh, well, you drank some bad water and this is why you're sick.
1: I think it totally tracks that Templars would do anything they can to capitalize on like, societal unrest.
0: Right. So this happens and the Templars through the push, push the Puritan church in Salem, to declare that the illness was the work of the devil and witches. And so it's good to note that like this whole ideal ideology about witches doesn't originate in Salem, like in religious history. This would have been something that would have been practiced across the board in Christianity of like this fear of witchcraft and quote unquote magic. Um would have been something that was common across the board in Christianity, though kind of like the Spanish Inquisition, the Puritans in Salem kind of just take it to an extreme.
1: Well, I think it's, it's important to note that like not only do the Puritans in Salem take Puritanism to an extreme Puritans as a denomination and as a sect they take christianity to an extreme so we're talking about extremists the extremists of the extremists
0: Mm
1: -hmm. so now we're two levels into the being extreme
0: yes which sets them up to be easily manipulated by the templars
1: i mean by anyone but especially by Mm -hmm.
0: because the temp i mean it's if you think about it from a templar perspective it'd be really easy to be like hey, yeah, there is this conspiracy of this working on. And like, I'm a good person who's working for this great world order. And, you know, from, a, from like an ideological perspective, Christianity does seek to remake the world, remake the world in a better image that they believe the world will be a better place. That's very easy for the Templars to grab a hold of and manipulate and say, we have the answer to make that world that you're trying to
1: yes yes but but the templars are not doing what real christians would like they're not actually christians they just again they capitalize on the imagery and the aesthetics and even the membership into christianity to achieve their point Mm
0: -hmm. there i would argue that the templar who might have believed in like actually believed in Christianity to an extent of like changing his life was the first ever Templar, which would have been Alfred the great.
1: But I thought Alfred the great wasn't actually a Templar. He was just aligned with them.
0: I mean, he was Grand Master of the order of ancients. He is the one who remakes it and brings it to like the, he is the transition point to the order from the order to the Templars. So you could argue he's the first
1: Templar. Yeah. Well, I agree with your statement. Either way.
0: Yeah. Um, So by June, they're starting to do these trials. In June, another Templar shows up. Uh, His name is William Stoughton. Uh, He was appointed as the chief magistrate of the court tasked with judging the individuals accused of being witches. So this is a point. This is actual history. So... The Puritan headquarters, like the people who are in charge of the denomination, they're located in Boston. Um, And that's kind of their hub where they operate. They hear about what's going on in Salem and they decide, okay, we need someone who is outside of this to come and tell us what's going on. And so they do send kind of judges from outside the Salem community to come and figure out what's going on um it just so happens that the templars in boston also capitalize on this and so it's important to note when we intercount the american like in the colonial assassin brotherhood we see it at two points we see it at right at its fall and after so that's in assassin's creed rogue and assassin's creed three the there is no assassin brotherhood when we get there in three. It is literally just an old man and uh, Connor Kenway in Rogue. It's more established, but the whole purpose of that game is that you basically undo it, and so the assassins are much more established at this point in in the in the colonies, which makes sense because a lot of the colonies are founded whether it's on like religious freedom. If you call it religious freedom, Um, or more probably likely, economic freedom is what the colonies are founded on. They want to basically start over and live this new life. They don't want a lot of interference from the crown. Like that is a thing from the beginning that kind of runs through to where when the crown, when the throne of England basically says okay now we're going to interfere the colonies are like well you haven't been and we're not going to stand for it right right and so it makes sense that the assassins could latch on to that not only with that kind of allied with the indigenous people of the Americas and their ideologies meshing well with the assassin ideology already so having the fact that not only are the white settlers bringing assassins but they're getting a bunch of recruits and establishments with the Native American tribes the assassins brotherhood is a pretty strong force in the colonies at this point
1: so and I, oh sorry go ahead no no you go ahead I was just gonna say I think that makes sense with their ideologies like not even necessarily like the indigenous tribes but just with the American col- colonial ideology at that time like you said is so much about independence from england specifically i think it makes total sense that um that the assassins would would have be able to wedge themselves in in that and also knowing that like the assassins never really have a stronghold in england they're never really an english group
0: no um no not really at all um And that kind of like goes back to the very beginning, whether you, you know, the order of ancients, while, you know, kind of gets its origins in Persia, it doesn't really get its real power until it becomes in Rome and the hidden ones are from Egypt and then to the rest of the Middle East. So it actually is kind of from the very beginning with the, the Knights Templar having a lot of origins in Europe and in England. And then the assassins coming up from the Holy Land and all of that still things like Templars are English and European, assassins are not. So my whole point of this was that the assassins immediately know what the Templars are up to because they are so well-connected. The minute that the Templar comes out of Boston to go to Salem, the Assassins are like, okay, what's going on? And they, all, when they hear about it, they also suspect a piece of Eden, which is kind of like the MO. Whenever something like mysterious happens or something that people say they can't explain, both the Assassins and Templars are like, hey, this must be a piece of Eden.
1: It's almost like It's a plot device.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they send an assassin named Tom Stoddard to investigate. So when Stoddard gets there on June 10th, he witnesses the execution of Bridget, Bridget Bishop, who is the first victim of the witch trials. She's the first woman who is convicted and then executed for on the grounds of witchcraft and the Templars. So... What Stoddard kind of realizes when he gets there is that, okay, we don't really have an assassin base going on here. So the Temp- it's not like the Spanish Inquisition where the Templars are using this to root out assassins and take down assassins. They're searching for something. Something is going on because um, they're just killing people who either get in their way or they think, no, something.
1: So what I'm kind of getting from this right now is that maybe this isn't like, I know this is in our series, but it seems to me so far that it's less about like assassins versus Templars. And it's more just like they both have come in into this situation together, not necessarily with each other, but like, they're not fighting each other originally.
0: Correct. They are, but they're not there to like gain control of a country or win a war or put someone on a throne. They're there to find out what's going on. And this is a big point of like both the colonial kind of period and the age of imperialism out of Europe. It kind of is less about establishing power and it's more about the race for the Peace of Eden that like who can get to the Peace of Eden first. The Templars don't really care about eradicating the assassins as long as they can get the Peace of Eden before the assassins do. And I think this also comes back to that both of them have tried to eradicate their orders and they still pop up. So I think at this point there's an ideology of like, well, we're always going to have to deal with them. Let's just be better than them.
1: But do you think that like they think, do you think that they think either of them think that if if we can just get all of the pieces of Eden, then we can eradicate the other group. Yes,
0: I would assume that, especially the Templars, because they believe if they can control these Isu artifacts, they can establish their new world order. And then the assassins won't matter. Right. So there is an assassin that is hi- that was already hiding out in Salem, but it was more just like keep an eye out. Uh, she is a nurse and her name is Jennifer Query. And so Straddard kind of relies on her help to kind of get in and figure out what's kind of going on. And so with her help, Straddard gets into the kind of Templar prison where they're holding all these people accused of witchcraft uh, to discover if one of them had a clue on the location of a piece of Eden. So the two assassins found the prisoner and they found Dorothy. This is the first person who had gone ill um, who told them that she knew where the artifact was, but they later discovered that there is no piece of Eden. There is no artifact. And that this young girl was one with special psychic
1: abilities. Okay. This is interesting. Can we back up a little bit? Uh Uh-huh. So this nurse, Jennifer, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: this is interesting. Historically, because like at this time period, it would have been really uncommon for women to be nurses. Um, at least outside of their own homes and their own like families. So when the Salem witch trials started happening um, in our world and not in Assassin's Creed universe, anyone, any woman who was like a nurse or like sold herbs or like had an apothecary, like all of those kinds of women would have been the first ones they turned to upon suspicion of witchcraft. So my question about Assassin's Creed is that there's this assassin, her name's Jennifer. She's pretending to be a nurse or she is a nurse, whatever. Um, And so she's just in, in Salem being obscure, but wouldn't, in my opinion, they would have gone after her for being a witch herself so, do we know in the lore if that happens?
0: Uh, I don't know based on what's going on. Um, it seems just kind of like a liberty that uh, that Ubisoft is kind of taking with this story because not only would they go after her because she's a nurse, she's also unmarried. Yeah, and so she would have been like one of the first.
1: Get um, a target on her back for sure. Right. Right.
0: Um, And so I guess, unless she was able to prove that she wasn't, but it just seems unlikely a little bit, but that's the story
1: that happens. So then for me, that's a major place where I think that that's a major plot hole in the Assassin's Creed universe for me.
0: Unless she is a nurse, uh, like kind of like under the table and that she helps There's enough pull with the people that she helps, whether they be sort of like the slaves that the Puritans hold or, you know, the various women around the town, like helping with sick children. If she's established a rapport, the women of the community might protect her.
1: I doubt it, because part of the Salem Witch Trials also is that people were turning on each other, even families like mothers and daughters turning on each other to save themselves. So why would they do, if they're willing to turn on their mother or their daughter, why would they protect some random person from the community?
0: I don't know. I'm just trying to explain a plot hole.
1: (laughs) No, that's fair. I'm just saying, I think this is a place where there is a plot hole.
0: Well, and part of it might just be like wanting to like give a retelling of putting women in more prominent roles when you're not really thinking about, would this be historically likely? And assassin's creed is historical fiction like it's yeah. not 100% historical a- historically accurate to the time and i'm going to talk about later when we talk about the legacy i think this is a bad interpretation of this time
1: okay well i will um eagerly anticipate the rest yeah. um
0: let's go to the break
1: okay let's do it All right, welcome to our break, our midsection. This is where we talk about all things that have to do with the podcast, but not the lore. So this is where I tell you to join our Discord servers. You can either join us in the Robots Radio Discord server, where we are part of the Rocket Club there. We have a channel, and there are tons and tons and tons of other amazing podcasts that you can discover. Or you can join us on the CUPS podcast server, which is our server, and that's the home of this show, the Dragon Age Lorecast, and Austin or Teacup's other podcast um, that he does with Ben of Temeria, and that's called Holocron Histories, a Star Wars podcast comparing canon and legends. So join one of our two discord servers, both links are in the episode description. We'd love to have you come and join the fun. We post pictures of our dog and hang out in voice channels. And sometimes we stream and just have all kinds of fun. And if you have been on Twitter eagerly anticipating some other game news, uh, then you should join us in the server because we are always popping off. So another great way to support us is to uh, la- like, rate, and review our show. Um, reviews are like really the number one way to tell other people that our podcast is awesome. You can give us a rating on Spotify with numbers out of five stars, and you can give us a rating and a review on iTunes or Apple with um, five stars and words. And so if you do leave us a review with words, we will read it on the show. And I do think we have one to read today. Is that right, Austin?
0: We do. So this review comes from gargar Binks. It says, uh, I says, nothing is true. Five stars. I've been a fan of Assassin's Creed since Assassin's Creed 2, and I am still trying to finish them all. Thank you for expanding my knowledge of the Assassin's Creed lore. Well, thank you for listening, and thank you for the review.
1: Yes, thank you, Gargar Binks, for that awesome review. We're super thankful. So, is there anything else we need to talk about in the break, Austin? I don't think so. All right, let's get back to it.
0: All right. So, unfortunately, the Templars are not slow to the punch, and they anticipate the assassins coming to figure it out and they foresee it the arrival of stoddard who planned to use his legendary and they plan to use his skills as a legendary artifact hunter by letting him find the artifact before taking it front Stoughton then used the mass hysteria he created with Paris to counter the assassins by sending a crowd after Strotter by branding him as the devil in flesh and telling the populace to bring the man back to him. So now we get the Templars being like, okay, well now the assassins are here. Let's use this fear and hysteria to target the assassins. All right. And so the race is on. They're trying to find this artifact or lack of artifact that they're can't find and so they eventually caught up to the assassins in a swamp and Stoughton tortures the assassins for information and threatened to hurt a mute boy named David secretly Quarry's son so here's another point of like just unlikely not only is she unwed and a nurse but she has a child out of wedlock too she would have been up on the first shopping she block
1: executed by the Puritans right there's no way she would have survived this. Right.
0: So Query is obviously like distraught and does not want her child to be tortured or hurt. And so she offers to give them information when something happens to Dorothy. She is possessed by an Isu named Kosis, Konsis. And so Stoughton is very excited about this. Uh, so he does end up killing Query, who tries to escape at this point. The St- Templar threatened Stoddard and revealed that he was planning to experiment on the captured women to create more oracles. So Constance is an Isu, and he is, pro- he is possessing Dorothy and communicating with her. You okay there?
1: No, I'm, I'm unwell. So, okay, let's go back a little bit. <laughs> This guy, Consus, this isu, and I don't know all of this information because I haven't finished the games, and I don't even know if this is coming from the games, but I'm just reiterating. So this isu consus is possessing Dorothy, right? Mm-hmm. Dorothy, the little girl.
0: Yes, the first one who was like sick for unexplained is, reasons.
1: Is is he also possessing the the nurse, Jennifer?
0: No, she's dead at
1: this point. Okay. But you said they're possessing other women's bodies to make more Isu?
0: No. So the Templars are hoping to experiment on their captured women to create more oracles like Dorothy.
1: Okay. So, wanting to make more like Dorothy. So. Yes what you said earlier is that maybe they included this Jennifer character as a way to show more women in power. But if they were going to do that, then why the heck did they then subjugate all of these women to put them basically into Templar slavery? I don't know. It's just, it's just me. Anyway, let's okay. go. Go ahead. So basically what
0: is happening is so one important thing about Isu and the Isu scientists so that's a Minerva Juno this conscious person the scientist is they created a form of like making calculations about the future So when he possesses Dorothy, Dorothy is appearing as an oracle or someone who can present the future, which is why they were able to foresee Strothert coming to Salem. And so this is why he's so excited because he realized, okay, there's no artifact. But if we can capture the spirit, we can create these oracles and always be one step ahead of the of the assassins. Right. However, Dorothy... Uh, hearing Stoughton's words and overcome with the guilt that she's played, uh, she kills herself in the fire. And enraged, Stoughton tried to kill Strotter, blaming for the loss of his oracle and ranted how he find another. Even if he would try every woman in the colonies as a witch, before he could kill the assassin, his fellow Templar, Samuel Paris, interfered and shot Stoughton in the shoulder. Paris then freed David and Strotter as clearly objected to Stoughton's way of violence.
1: Big yikes, is mm-hmm. all I'm say.
0: You know that it's bad when a Templar kills another Templar.
1: Exactly, exactly. You, yes. Mm-hmm. You know it's bad when a Templar thinks you've gone too far.
0: Right. And it's more of a thing, like, I don't know if Paris, like, came overwhelmed with guilt about what he was doing. I don't think it was that. I think he realized that, his view of violence wasn't going to progress the Templar cause. It was just going to make them ostracized and give assassins means to vilify them. And so just a real brief before we kind of talk about legacy and historical reverence, (laughs) I titled this section, uh, who the hell is Consus? (laughs) And so Consus is an Isu known as the uh, erudite God uh, Prometheus and the voices was a famed Isu Science and creator of the Pieces of Eden. A lot of the Isu have Greek god um, counterparts. His is Hephaestus, the blacksmith of the gods.
1: Okay, that's interesting. However, all I can think of, all I can think of is... uh, Erudite is one of the five factions in the Divergent novels. Yes, they are. So that's all I can think of.
0: They were also a people.
1: I mean, I didn't know that. I know that they're like dedicated to knowledge and like learning and stuff, but.
0: Yes. Which makes sense that they would worship Prometheus in that, like, he is the one who gives mankind fire and advocates for their learning. And so he, he develops something called the Shroud of Eden, which we talk about in Leather games, which is like this super duper strong healing artifact. It's rumored that the cloth that they wrap Jesus in is a Shroud of Eden. Which. Take that for what you will.
1: I, I think that's a little offensive. I take it for what you I, will. I'm going to say I think that's a little offensive to Christians. Right, Um, And
0: so while a shroud was active, he was able to communicate with people outside of time, which isn't unknown. Like a lot of Isu do this. And given the history we know with the Animus, communication across the time stream is not uncommon in the Assassin's Creed universe. And it's also theorized that he's able to communicate via people with high precursor DNA. Maybe Dorothy had this precursor DNA in her. Maybe she didn't. But I want to talk about how I think now, how I think this is a bad interpretation of a historical event. And I just want to say, like, I think that this takes away the historical significance of the Salem witch trial by making it about this kind of conspiracy theory, like this piece of Eden, I think takes away from the moment in time on how religious extremism can just overtake a community and like that's the thing about the Salem witch trials is that it just gets out of hand and there's not one person who's trying to manipulate it it's this kind of group think that's going on that fear and everything compound to the point that like the priest and preachers in Boston come into Salem and are just like We have no idea how to control this. And so I think to make it about this Templar and assassin thing takes away from that and takes away from the lesson and the historical importance of how religious extremism can sneak into a community and take over.
1: I really agree with that. And for me, okay, bear with me a little bit because this may seem a little bit out of left field, but I'll circle it back. For me, this really strikes me as... Um, lore that was written in a time when we were much more optimistic about the state of the world. And so for me, I think back to when President Obama was like first elected in the United States. Um, And in that time period, There was a lot of optimism for like the future of our country. We had just elected our first black president and he was young too. And so there was a lot of hope for that um, and for, for his presidency in that time period. And we very much looked at the world as a place of opportunity. We looked at our country as a place of anything can happen. The best is yet to come. And when we do the same thing today, when we look at our country and our world, I think we're in a totally opposite place. We are in a really terrible place where extremism of a lot of different kinds is erupting. Similar, not not the exact same, of course, as the Salem witch trials, but I think there are some similarities there. And I think there absolutely is the potential for extremism to overtake us here and now in the United States in 2022. And so for me, I think that this lore from the Assassin's Creed universe strikes me as something that was written when we were more optimistic about the world, such as when President Obama was first elected or you know, in any time period previous to now. Um, so for me, for those reasons, this doesn't really hold up as an interpretation. Right.
0: And I think that it comes by to like the leaders in, from what we know from the Salem witch trials, at least from like the journals of the clergy who were overseeing this. And you and I have kind of like dabbled a little bit of this. And when we took a big class called religion in America, we spent a lot of time on the Salem witch trials. And so they didn't set out to go and like execute all these people. Their intentions were never this manipulated thing to maintain power. Their intentions were to uphold whatever process and like body of religion that they get there. But because of the religious extremism, because of the fear and pan and pandemonium, they get sucked into it too and oversee this terrible, terrible thing that happens and it's not this point of like oh well let's use this to manipulate people I think that takes away from the way religious extremism can affect people who don't even intend to be manipulated by it
1: yeah absolutely absolutely
0: and so that's where they don't always get it right with Assassin's. I think Assassin's Creed is a very good and well-crafted work of historical fiction, but they do not always get it right. Sure.
1: And no video game, no one does get everything right. And like, I'm not saying that this makes me dislike Assassin's Creed because I, I still really enjoy this game series. Um, I just think this is an instance where they may have got it wrong.
0: Yeah. So for this legacy... Well, I mm-hmm. want to talk about real quick. Uh, so the somewhat failure of the assassins, because they do not stop the Salem witch trials. And I think this is another failure that Stoddard's goal is never to stop the assailant the the witch trials, it's to find the peace of Eden. Which I think is like going against the Assassin's Creed ideology. Like if we go back to Altair or even further, further back to Bayek and Aya, they would have said, forget the Peace of Eden, let's stop these witch trials. Like these are obviously like inhibiting the people's freedom. Also, this shows that the Templars can manipulate the populace to vote against their own freedom and that the people will work in conjuncture against their own personal freedoms. And I think we see that sometimes in, you know, our real world today of people kind of either voting or working against their own self-interest because they've been manipulated by either really charismatic people or, um, loud people. And it comes back to, um, we learned about this in college, it's called like the big lie philosophy. Um, It's a tenet of like propaganda, which is basically if you tell a lie loudly and often enough, people will accept it as true. Um, And I think that 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 plays into here.
1: Yes, 100%. And, again, we see that in our world, too. But I absolutely see that happening in this specific story, too. Mm -hmm. And that's
0: the Salem Witch Trials. Well,
1: do you have any final thoughts?
0: I think that this is an interesting point of, like, it's not really, like, no one wins. It's just over. Which I think is kind of how the real Salem Witch Trials went.
1: But the Templars do end up with the Peace of Eden.
0: There is no Peace of Eden.
1: Oh. Okay. (laughs) Because
0: the girl Dorothy kills herself and Consus is no longer communicating.
1: Oh, right. Of course. Um, Yeah, it's just kind of like, well, this thing we thought existed doesn't anymore. So let's just go home.
0: Mm -hmm. Another, uh, I forgot about another point of the Salem Witch Trials is that the Templars are such, doing such a bad job of hunting down pieces of Eden at this point. And the assassins are just really gaining momentum in the colonies. This is what prompts the assassins in England to send Hatham Kenway to the colonies. Interesting. Because they basically sent him there to be like, you need to get a hold of this. And we need to start tracking down more Precursor sites is what they use them, which is so funny because after like his first decade there, he says, okay, this precursor thing is a dead end. Let's work on establishing our order here as a place of power.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: But it's, this is kind of the start of them being like, that leads to Hathan Kenway coming to America, which leads to the birth of Connor Kenway, which leads to... a lot of other the American revolution and a lot of other things
1: yeah well this was an interesting episode um it was fun to go to America Mm -hmm. for a hot minute again um we'll see where we head next week
0: I believe we're gonna chill in the Americas for a little bit awesome
1: all right Austin unless you have anything else I think we're good to wrap it up
0: yeah that's all I got
1: Alright, well we'll see you next time on the Assassin's Creed Lorecast
0: Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions Thank you for listening and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins Or you can send us an email using threecountthoughts at gmail.com.
1: Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell.